You are listening to the Restoration LA podcast. For more, visit us at restorationla.org. We are going to start a series today on on Psalms. Uh, we are going to be taking uh, different Psalms throughout this month. Uh, but minus Chanel's preach next week, but we are going to be diving into some of these beautiful portions of scripture that we find. Um, I'm going to do my best to work off my phone because my iPad decided to update. So, so we, whether whether you know it or not, you probably know a lot of Psalms because we sing a lot of songs that are taken from Psalms. And it's kind of like music today. If you guys listen to music, um, you probably listen to a song and and then you hear this other song that sounds like it and you're like, hey, you know, they stole that song from that person. And and I know like, you know, some people have just absolutely butchered that, you know, like Britney Spears doing my prerogative when Bobby Brown did it way better. I mean, it was kind of, you know, if you don't listen to R&B, you're not going to get that reference at all. Uh, but hip hop has it, does this all the time. Um, Sethi, you guys can listen to the song. You'll know this song as soon as you hear it. There we go. So if you're thinking, if you're thinking Coolio and Gangster's Paradise, you are wrong. You are totally wrong. <laughs> so big sexy, right? Some of you are like, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of <laughs> that is that is scripture that is scriptural, but that's not that's not a song, right? So that's Stevie Wonder, right? But the, 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 so the same thing happens with with the song. We're singing songs that are taken from the Psalms that were that are like written just just thorough, beautiful theology in the scriptures that we're singing. Um, and so I, I remember singing them, you know, kind of. Uh, oh man, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord. I, I, we we I. Um, Psalm 100, uh, thou, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Uh, it was like an old Maranatha song. Uh, but these, these beautiful songs that we have sung in contemporary worship are taken from Scripture. And so I, I wanted to have us dive into what, what that looks like for us and the deep theology that comes from Psalms. And so here, let's see how we're doing. We're not doing good on my iPad, so we are going to go this way. All right, so hey, Psalms is a collection of, of songs, poetry, prayer, and it was associated with, with Jerusalem temple worship. And we see this in the, in the Old Testament. And this is like pre, pre-exile. This is when the establishment of, of um, the temple was, was made. And, and, and one of the primary contributors to the Psalms we know was King David. Um, Psalms is the longest book of the Bible, if you, if you know that. And so, but it is a collection of psalms from various artists. And so, um, the, the the word psalm in in Greek is um, p s a l. It's like psalmos, um, but in the Hebrew, it's mizmor. And so, but both of these words mean a song recited to the accompaniment of stringed instruments. And so, uh, so you could. As psalms were um, being constructed, most of them, not all of them, most of them were constructed musically. And so they needed to be accompanied by music. And so you can picture Steph 
jamming on a guitar as these psalms were being sung. And so they, would, they wouldn't have any uh, rhythmic um, kind of melodies in the English language because obviously, you know, the English language is very different than uh, Hebrew. But in, in Hebrew, these would have been beautiful songs that were constructed masterfully under the inspiration, listen, friends, of the Holy Spirit. And so as Holy Spirit was, was coming upon um, these psalmists, they would pin these beautiful poems, beautiful songs, beautiful testimonials of who God was. And um, so scholars in trying to understand the collection of the psalms have tried to break down the psalms into, into genres. And so there is genres of songs. There's, the two main genres are, are laments and, and hymns. And so these are the two main, main types of psalms. And, and laments are traditionally start with like an invocation um, where the name of the Lord is called upon. You know, so like, oh, I call upon you, Jehovah Jireh, because you are the great provider. Right. And so it's, 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 an, it's calling upon the Lord um, and, and who he is. And then it's followed by a complaint from the psalmist. Or, 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 or a deep, desperate desire. And so as they call upon Jehovah Jireh, the desperate desire is, Lord, please, can you come and help me because I am broke and cannot pay my bills. Right? And so you, you see some of the Psalms doing this kind of, they're, they're proclaiming who God is, his natures, his capabilities, and then they offer their petition to God out of their desperation. We, we see this in the laments. Um, and then in the, in the hymns of Psalms, we see um, God being recognized as creator, God being recognized as victorious warrior. And these Psalms are offered up as hymns. Um, they express um, piety of the individuals or of the community. I mean, it's really the devotion, right, to, to God as individuals or whoever the psalmist was writing, or it was written for the congregation to sing um, about the Lord's goodness in community. Um, it was them wanting to have a close connection with God, believing that God is good. And this is what we do on Sunday mornings. This is, this is um, the theology that we at Restoration LA have about songs and what we worship. And so a lot of times when you think about how we worship at Restoration LA, we want to reflect a biblical worship. And we don't believe that always fits in a box. We don't believe that always is nice and clean and four songs and we're out of here. You know, it, we, we, we don't believe that. We believe that that Holy Spirit can break in at any point in our worship time um, and, and, and do what he wants. Um, but we do have a, a criteria, you know, kind of a baseline of the music that we sing. And so sometimes you might like songs on the radio, Christian music, and you're like, man, I love this song. Why don't we do that at Restoration LA? And honestly, those songs are probably great. There's nothing wrong with those Christian songs. I listen to them as well. Um, I listen to a lot of other stuff too. Um, but listen, some of those songs for us are, are, are not necessarily um, theologically firm. And so you can have songs that are just like me, 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 me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And where we believe that our adoration and our affection of worship should be all about Jesus. So it's all about Jesus, all about Jesus. And, and in that, there is this, 
this connection to him that allows us to be pulled up from our circumstances into the revelation of who he is in those circumstances. We sung that today. The battle belongs to you, right? And so we weren't just singing, oh, I'm in a battle. Oh, I'm in a battle. And oh, I'm in a battle, right? We were saying, hey, the battle belongs to you. And though I fight, I fight on my knees. Why? Because that's a biblical thing. We won't worry about anything, but we will pray about everything, right? This is a kind of a theological foundation we have um, for the songs that we sing at Restoration LA. And so we see, you know, Psalm 92, verse 1, part of the hymns. It's, uh, it, it's, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. So sing praises to your name, O Most High. You know, so we, you know, these are the kind of um, hymns that come out of the Psalms that we read. And so the, the Hebrew title for the book of Psalms is Tehillim, right? And so Tehillim actually means praises. And so when you see Psalms, it's, it's praises. And so when you look at the book of praises, it's, it's just, uh, kind of another theological understanding of, of what we draw from, from these um, beautiful portions of scripture that God has given us. So um, some Psalms are also written for, from personal experiences of the psalmist's life. And so we see this a lot in David's Psalms. Um, David's Psalms, there's, I mean, there's, it'd almost be like a journal. It would be like us reading David's journal of what he was writing to God in his private time. And now we get to peek into those things um, as we look um, through the scriptures of some of these stories and, or some of these kind of highlights in his life. And so we see this in, in Psalm 3. And some of your Bibles might have this where the titles of the song are actually set up the stage for what happened or what, what this writing is about. So like Psalm 3, um, some of your Bibles might say a Psalm of David when he fled from his um, son Absalom, right? And so, so this is a time when David, King David, had to flee from his own son who was trying to take the kingdom of Israel from him. And so this was a Psalm that he wrote in that distress. So can you imagine what this is going to be about? This is, can you imagine a father writing about his son who is trying to usurp the kingdom of God from the God-anointed king? And so we get a glimpse into what happened. Uh, we see this in Psalm 18, and this is a wonderful title. Listen to this song title, Psalm 18. And, and some of it is also even instructions. And so it says, to the leader. And so so. David would write a psalm, and then he would pass it to the worship leader, and he'd say, this is how I want this song to go, right? I want this psalm to, to go. And if you remember, David instituted 24 hours of worship in the temple. And so when he, uh, 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 and so when, 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 and when, the, when the, the tabernacle of the Lord was established for 24 hours of worship, they would worship, and they would I mean, just think um, IHOP, uh, the International House of Prayer actually does this, right? Not IHOP pancakes, the International House, of, they actually do this. They, their, their, their model is to have 24 hours of worship. And so if you go to an IHOP anywhere around the country, you can walk into their doors and worship is going. I mean, it might just be a pianist, it might be a guitar player, it might be a vocalist, but they have worship going. This is what David did. And so he would write instructions. So the Psalm 18 is to the leader, a Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. 
Can you imagine having an iTunes title on your song like that? Like it's just, you know how the, you, you know, when you're listening to music and, the, and the, the title scrolls, it take like an hour for that thing to get across. So these psalms are coming out of these experiences of their life. Psalm 34, listen to this. David, when he feigned madness before Abimelech so that he, was drove, um, so that he drove him out and he went away. So if you remember, um, uh, David had to fake being, being, being crazy so that he would be released by Abimelech and not, you know, not killed. And then one of, one of uh, uh, a really significant psalm, Psalm 51, not that they're all significant, but in David's life, to the leader, a psalm of David. Listen to this. He was passing these psalms to the worship leader of the temple to be sung before God. And listen to what this song is about. When the prophet Nathan came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Listen to this song. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. This is a song that he is writing to God and having the worship leader at church sing it in front of all of the people. The king of Israel, not hiding any of his, of, of, of his, of his sins and transgressions from anyone, not from God, not from the people. This is what has happened. I need to repent before God and before man. Here, sing this song. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine you falling into sin and then coming into the life of the church with a whole thing and asking, you know, Pam, Pam, can you, can you sing this on Sunday? <laughs> can you just let everyone know what I am so sorry about and, and that I have asked God to forgive me? Can you imagine? This, is, this was David's revelation. This is why David was known, even though all of his sins, even though all of his mistakes, guilty of murder and fornication, just think of all that he was guilty of, still known as a man after God's own heart. Isn't that powerful? Have mercy on me according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is a song. Can you imagine singing this on Sunday morning? Lord, cleanse me of my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Lord, I know what I'm guilty of. I'm faced with my sin every day. Listen to this, friends. Against you in you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Wow. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. Wow. New Testament theology, the Lord giving us these flashes in the old covenant of being born sinners, needing grace. So listen, friends, regardless of the author, the genre, the story behind each of the Psalms, one thing is certain, the scriptures, the scriptures were pinned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for building up of those wanting to be right before God. All scripture we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16. Listen to this. It says, uh, no, let's read this. Um, this is why Psalms are so important to us today. And then I'll get to the next verse. Sorry. Um, what is the outcome? First Corinthians. What is the outcome then, brothers and sisters, when you assemble, each one has a Psalm. Can you say Psalm? 
has a psalm, a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. All things are to be done for the edification, right? For the building up of the body of Christ, right? And so even in these psalms, we recognize that when people come and bring their songs and bring their poetry, it is used for the edification of the body of Christ. So we especially know this about Holy um, Spirit pen scripture, which is this beautiful book that we have here. Second, uh, Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says this, all scripture, can you say all scripture? All scripture, all scripture. Even those books you might have never read, even those books you, you might not like, even, even, I mean, I mean, if you go start going through numbers, you're going to get bored really quick. You know, when you start going through all the genealogies in scripture, you're going to start being like, this guy begot that guy, begot that guy, begot that. I mean, it, it, sometimes it can just be like, I, what is the meaning of this? There's meaning, friends, in all of it. And all of it. And if we would choose to dive a bit deeper, see these psalms, they're, they're, they're not just songs that we just read and say, oh, that's so beautiful. Right? I mean, they're, they're, there's richness that we get to dive in when it comes to all scripture. Uh, we are obviously highlighting the psalms this month. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial, listen, friends, for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. All scripture. Every ounce of scripture is used for this. And so um, this is what edification is, friends. This is what edification is. When we correct our children, what is it for? It's to build them up, to be the adults that we're, we're, we're trying to raise, right? And it's the same for us as believers. All scriptures, if it rubs you the wrong way, it's for your edification. If it feels like correction, then it's for your edification. If it's encouragement and comfort to your soul, then it's for your edification, right? This is, this is the dynamics of what scripture does for us. And so... Um, this, this is uh, what I want you to do as, as we begin to read through this one psalm that we're going to unpack today real quickly. Um, first and foremost, as you're reading scripture, maybe this is a tool that you can use. This isn't a prescription that you have to use, but this is something that has helped me. Is, is where do I find Jesus on the page? And so if you're reading scripture, if you're in the Old Testament, I mean, where do I find Jesus on the page? And so if Jesus is the word, we read this in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, right? This, right, he is the bread of life. He, this word, if, if, if Jesus is, is the word, then where do we find Jesus on the page? Anywhere that you're reading in scripture, Right? Look for that. And then second thing is, and, and we'll, we'll apply this to the psalm, is what, what is God saying to me through this psalm as we're going through this month? Or wherever you're at in your devotions, wherever you're at, and, and when you crack open your Bible, and I pray that you're cracking open your Bible, what is God saying to you? Not just what is he saying on the page. It is not just information to be stored. Right? This is, this is life application. Okay, God, I read this. It sounds very obscure. I'm not sure what the heck this means. Ask him, what does this mean for my life, Lord? How do I apply this in my world today in 2022 with who I am in my messed up state? Or your good state. I don't know where you're at today. Most of my life has been a messed up state, but that's another story. Here we go. Psalm 1. We're going to unpack this for a second. Psalm 1, strategically placed in the Bible as the first psalm. 
I, I don't believe God does anything on accident, right? I, I think God is very intentional. And so here we go, Psalm 1. Um, some of your Bibles might have some subtitles. Um, the NRSV had a subtitle of the two ways. The two ways, two ways presented in this Psalm. And let's read it together. Happy are those who do not, say do not, who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers. And so if you want to look at this as, as poetry, songwriting, it's just kind of like sarcasm. You're going to be happy if you don't take advice from the wicked. You're going to be happy if you don't take the path of sinners and tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, or that word can be translated as mockers, those who mock God, those who mock the ways of God, those who mock the church, right? Happy are those who don't live like that. Now, very easily, uh, you know, someone telling the truth could, could say, anyone who does these things is wrong in the sight of the Lord. But again, this is poetry. Sometimes poetry comes at you a little sideways. And I don't know. I don't remember what grade it was. Probably fifth grade, maybe. Everything, everything happened in fifth grade because that's why they have that, that show. You're, you're smarter than a fifth grader. And none of us are because those questions are crazy. I never answered any of those questions when I was in the fifth grade. Anyways, but we had, maybe you had to write haikus at some point in school. I know we did. Um, and so when you think about this, you had to like, you know, follow patterns and rhythms and those kind of things. And so sometimes the psalmists come at you sideways. They're not going to come at you directly. And so it's the same with this. Happy are those who do not. So it's saying, don't do these things and you're going to be happy. Verse two. But their, sorry, but their delight let me start again. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight. So those people who don't do those things, their delight is actually in the law of the Lord. And so how we could translate law of the Lord in, in, in a new covenant context is in the word of the Lord, but not just word, it's the word and the ways. So it's the applied word of the Lord. And so the law was the standard in which people had to live by. And so happy are those who lived by the law of the Lord. And so for us, it's the, the, the word and the ways of the Lord. Happy are those who, who, who delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law, listen to this, friends, they meditate day and night. They meditate day and night on the word of the Lord, on the ways of the Lord. You see, for us as Christians, now we, 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 we can take Christianity and say, hey, there's, there's a Christian way. But the early followers of, of Jesus were called followers of the way. Followers of the way, what way? It wasn't what way, it was whose way. It was the way of Jesus. Followers of the way follow the ways of Jesus. And so this is what um, the psalmist is trying to provoke uh, or, or tease out of, out of this following in the law. Um, they meditate on, on it day and night. We meditate on the ways of Jesus day and night. 
They are like trees. Listen, they're like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season and their leaves do not wither. And all they do, and, and, and in all they do, they prosper. See, this is a song too. And I'll be like a tree planted by the water. You don't know that one. All right. But if you think about these trees that are planted by the water that have this ever uh, um, endless resource of nutrients being pulled out of that river, these trees grow. And if you think about out in the desert where there is no river, nothing grows. And so the psalmist is saying, those of us who meditate on the Lord's ways day and night, we will be like trees that are planting, like the, planted by the water because we are pulling from this endless resource that is Jesus himself. Are you with me? And in their season, or, or which yield their fruit in its season. I mean, when we think about someone who is planted in Jesus, you, let me just be honest with you, friends. You cannot help but bear fruit. And I really believe that, that as Christians, as followers of the way, we should be bearing fruit. There should be fruit of your walk with Jesus. And fruit is, is, is another word for fruit would be evidence that you are a follower of Jesus. Evidence in your life. We look at the fruits of the Spirit. Those fruits of the Spirit are evidence that you have been walking in the Spirit. Right? Verse 4. The wicked are not so. So he gives us a flash of the wicked. The meat of the psalm is about those who want to live righteously and follow the way. And he comes back to the wicked the wicked are not so, but are like chafe that the wind drives away. The wicked are not planted by the water. The wicked are not bearing fruit because they, they're not attached to this, to this endless resource that is Jesus. You know, they're so far separated from God that they're out here in the desert and they're drying up and they're I mean, sickle. I mean, it's, it's just they're so dry that when the wind blows, it's like... Have you ever got like leaves in the fall and just like crumbled them in your hand? Right? This, this is the picture of, of what it is. You just, right? who, does it? Who, who does that? Uh, one of the wrestlers, I don't know. <laughs> LeBron does it too, I think, with the powder. <laughs> the wicked are not so, for they are like chafe um, that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord, listen to this, the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. These, these, two, these two lanes that we see in this, in this psalm, the way of the wicked, the way of the righteous, right? The wicked take the path of the sinners. The wicked sit at the seat of scoffers or mockers. The righteous delight in the light of the, in, in the law of the Lord. They meditate on it day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water. They yield fruit in season. Their lives do not wither. And in all they do, they prosper back to the wicked. Like the, like chafe, the, um, the wind drives them away. They will not stand in judgment and sinners cannot be in the congregation of the righteous. So we see this flow of this psalm, right? It, it, it addresses the wicked, gives us a picture of the righteous, goes back to the wicked. But what is God saying in it all? 
And what would God be saying as we're singing this thing in church? As we're singing about these things, what would God say? The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked would perish. Right? These, these, this, this world today that we live in doesn't like to, to live with two options. There's always a third option. See, in the, in the kingdom of God, listen, friends, there's a kingdom of light and there's a kingdom of darkness. This is how scripture has always presented the paths of the righteous to us. There's never been a third option. There, there's never been the third option. There's, there's light and there's darkness. And I know the world is going to tell you, hey, you do you. And the Lord is saying, no, you can't do you. You're either doing light or you're doing darkness. There are even church-going, self-professed Christians who struggle with the theology of the wicked versus righteous language. And listen, friends, we, we, we have to be conservative when we read Scripture. And I know that word conservative has like this, this like kind of religious, political connotation. I'm not saying conservative in, 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 in the views of how you view the world. But when it comes to Scripture, we have to read it conservatively. What has God said? And I know we all like to say, hey, I like to read between the lines and all that kind of stuff. What has God said? said parents do you like when your kids read between the lines after you've given them instructions have your kids ever played word games with you like well you said don't do this and i didn't do that it is the worst this is what we do with god and this is sometimes what we do with scripture right we say well he didn't actually say that now, listen, friends, I'm not saying don't search the scriptures. I'm not saying don't under, try to understand the depths and, and go for the. Um, um, we should all be developing doctrine when it comes to scripture. You should be like the Bereans going and searching for yourselves the truth that God has given you. This is what the priesthood of all believers is. It doesn't mean that Jody, the pastor, has all the answers of scripture. You have access to the holy word of God to research and to dive in. And honestly, if I am at fault of preaching a falsehood, Anyone in the life of this church can come to me and say, hey, I, I, think, I think you might be missing it on this one. This, this, is, this is the beauty we have of the priesthood of all believers. There's no one above reproach here. But listen, friends, when it comes to Scripture, right, there, there, there is these two paths that have been presented, right? The, the, the psalmist, good and evil are being presented here. These two paths, the paths of the wicked, the path of the righteous. Uh, the psalmist's intent is to promote, listen, friends, the way of righteousness in this psalm. So, yes, he is bringing up the evil. He is bringing up darkness, but he is, he is promoting the way of light. He is promoting the way of Jesus. And the, the way he has to do it is to contrast it with things that we know and things that we're living. Psalmist's intent to promote the way of righteousness as a prophetic, listen, addition to the choice God has promoted throughout Scripture. And Genesis chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, I got to hurry up. Listen, friends. Then God planted the garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord caused every tree to grow that is pleasing to the sight of, uh, um, and good for food. 
the tree of life, was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There it is, friends, the choice. The tree of life or the tree of knowledge that, that gave us an understanding, a carnal understanding of good and evil. Here's the choice. And this is what the psalmist is getting to. We see this in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call on heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have been placed before you, or I'm sorry, that I have placed before you life and death, blessing and curse. And here's what it said. Listen, friends, so choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. This is what's being presented by the psalmist. Choose life. Choose the way of the righteous. Yes, it's in contrast to what is evil. And so we can see this in like, oh, so all the time the Christians read these verses and they hate the sinners. No, 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 no. The choice is to choose life. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We once were all sinners reading this from a place that was offensive. Are you with me? We see in Joshua chapter 24, but if uh, verse 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, then choose for yourself today who you will serve. There's a choice. There's two ways. There's two paths. Which one will you choose? Whether the gods uh, which your father served, which were beyond the Euphrates River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So yes, there is two choices. But the encouragement from scripture is not to harp on the choice of the wicked. It is to show you, listen, there is life to be chosen here. Will you choose it? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Listen to this. This is Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is narrow and the way is constricted that leads to life. And there are few who find it. There's two paths, friends, two choices. And this is what the psalmist is saying, man, choose the way of the righteous. Choose the way that is going to be planted like a tree by the ever flowing river of Jesus. Listen, friends, these, these, these scriptures aren't meant to be used as windows in which we view or even judge the world. Can you imagine? We see these scriptures and, you know, and, and we, we use the scripture and like, oh, yeah, look at, look at those sinners headed to the path of destruction. Right? And we, we say, oh, look at those sinners. Look at, oh, look at how guilty they are. They don't meditate on the Lord's word daily, day and night, night and day. No way. Not that guy. That guy's going to hell. These aren't meant to be used as, as a window. They're meant to be used as a mirror. That I'm looking at the mirror and it's like, do I meditate on the Lord's precepts night and day? Am I like a tree that's planted by the water that's bearing fruit because I'm planted in King Jesus? Or, or do I feel dried up like chafe and feel like I can just wither away like, a dried up leaf. See, this is supposed to be used as a mirror 
for us to look at and apply to our life. And, and we can't just read the Psalms and, and just glimpse through it and just think like, oh, that was, that's beautiful. Love that. It's my favorite Psalm. Everyone has a favorite Psalm. It's my favorite Psalm, right? Do it with Proverbs too. You know, Proverbs a day keeps the devil away. It's great. <laughs> Friends, this is life-giving. These are the inspirational words from God. The divide is real. The divide between life and death. The psalmist presents this to us. Matthew Henry says this, the division of the children of men into saints and sinners, righteous and unrighteous, the children of God and the children of the wicked one, as it is, as it is ancient, ever since the struggle between sin and grace, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, so it is lasting. So it's not just saying this isn't just an age-old problem. This is still a problem today. And will survive all other divisions and subdivisions of man in high and low places, rich and poor, bond and free. For by this, men's everlasting state will be determined, friends. Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? And this distinction, listen, friends, will last as long as as heaven and hell. You see, Psalm 1 isn't just Psalm 1. There's so much more to it. Matthew 25 speaks of the sheep and the goats. Sheep on the right, goats on the left. Verse 34, of the sheep, Jesus says this, then the king will say to those on the right, come, you who are blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. That's for those who follow the way. And for the goats, in verse 41, it says this, then he will also say to those to his left, depart from me. You accursed people into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. And I'm telling you, friends, we don't take Matthew 25, like I said, and be like, oh, there's a sheep, goat, goat, sheep. Lord, am I a sheep? Am I a sheep of your pasture? Lord, am I, am I going to be on? And I don't want you, I don't, if, if, if you have accepted Christ into your heart and believe that he is Lord of your life, I don't want you to walk around like thinking God's going to hit you with a lightning bolt, you know, insecure about your salvation. But friends, you know if you're planted by the river. There's no third option. There's no third lane, right? There's no purgatory. There's no amount of penance or works that you can, you, can, you can give to God to get yourself into heaven. It doesn't work like that. The price Jesus paid for sinners was far too great. You've either been purchased or you haven't. The river of life runs red and it flows with the blood of Jesus. I want to read this psalm to you again. Psalm 1. It's in a different translation this time. But, oh, the joy of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. 
They are like trees planted by the water. I'm sorry, planted along the riverbanks. See, I'm I'm using songs as verses. Bearing fruit each season. Their lives never wither and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chafes scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Jesus is asking us to choose the path that leads to him. Jesus left no room for discussion discussion when he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through me, through Jesus. This is how followers of the way get to our destination. Only through Jesus. Pam, can you come up with me? We are going to take communion this morning. And before we take it, I want to just kind of highlight something. Jesus first presented this understanding of partaking of his body and of his blood, which the bread representing his body that was broken and beaten for us. And the juice or the wine that was presented represents the blood of Jesus that was spilt, spilt and shed for us. These these. Two elements. He, he, when he first presented this to the listener, the listener, they were so freaked out about this understanding of we have to eat your body and drink your blood. I mean, to a place where they said, Lord, who can understand this? Who can actually understand this? And, and, and many walked away from Jesus because they could not come to grips with this understanding of what these elements actually mean. See, 2,000 plus years later, we have the privilege of understanding that Jesus would eventually go to the cross and he would present his body as a living sacrifice, the last sacrifice ever needed to be offered for the sins of mankind. Because before that, your sins had to be atoned for. And you would have to go to the temple and they would offer animals to the Lord on your behalf. You would take it to the priest. The priest would slaughter the animal. That blood would be shed and you would be forgiven until the next time you had to come back. So there had to be one final offering, a pure offering that would satisfy, listen, friends, not just your sins and my sins, but the sins of all humanity for all time. That was Jesus' sacrifice. And by Jesus presenting his body and his blood, what he was saying is, I am setting a table for each and every one of you to come to. And I know that we like to think, well, this is only for saints. But friends, in order to come to the table, you have to be a sinner to recognize you need that blood and you need that body that's been broken. So at this table, saints and sinners alike come to this table to partake of King Jesus. Listen to this in Psalm chapter 34. Verse 8 says this. Just one 
snippet of a verse. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. You see, this is not just communion. Just like these psalms are not just psalms. They're life-giving words and edification for the believer who are following the way. And when Jesus is saying, come to the table and taste and see that the Lord is good, he's wanting you to recognize it doesn't matter what condition you're in, you need to come to the table. We do see in the, in the New Testament when Paul is giving instructions about communion, he's saying, hey, the only thing for saints, listen to me, friends, for saints, because he was speaking to the church, the only thing that would disqualify you from coming to the table is if you are holding unforgiveness in your heart against a brother or sister. Because if you are holding unforgiveness in your heart, then you have no idea what's happening up here because you have been forgiven of so much. It's the only thing that would disqualify you. But if you know today that you need the goodness of God in your life, then I want to invite you to stand this morning as we take communion. I want you to come up. I want you to grab a cup, grab some bread. I want you to go back to your seat. Stay standing. And today I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. And as you do that, I want you to reflect. Lord, I, want, I choose you every day. I choose your way every day. Come on up, friends. New Testament tells us as often as we eat and drink, we're to remember his body that was broken and his blood that was shed. As you take these two things, I pray the goodness of God washes over you. 
as soon as you're done with your communion, we are officially finished because I've gone way over. <laughs> uh, don't forget your kids. Also, please don't forget, uh, I am taking signups for Saturday. So I'm going to kind of position myself out there and take some signups. I hope to see you all on Friday and Saturday. Uh, bless you guys.